0: Good evening and welcome to this special episode of the Red Voices Manchester United podcast. No games this week with the international break, but tonight we're very lucky to be joined by another special guest in the form of Guardian writer and author of two great books, United in the Shape of the Promised Land and On the Road, Mr Daniel Harris. Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me. No, thank you. no problem. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, how have you found this uh, Unitedless international break over the last week or so?
1: Uh, it's, I mean... Yeah, it's, it, you'd always rather United were playing than United weren't playing, however crap United are. I remember last season, didn't really realise at the time when they got beaten by MK Doms and there was no Europe, suddenly there was one game a week and it uh, made you realise how grateful you were for being shit in Europe because at least <laughs> there was then more United. So the more the more the better, I would say. Or even the more the merrier, if I was to. Uh... Even in this season? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, in terms of going to the game... The actual football is just one part of it. And uh, I think uh, it's it's nice that you think, well, maybe it'll be better this time and then it isn't. But as it happens, the game before the international break was as uplifting as watching United should be. And then there are no games for a, a week or 10 days or whatever it is. So that is a bit frustrating. Yeah, it's a
0: kind of odd situation really, wasn't it? With that sort of crux period of uh, the West Ham game and then the two legs against Liverpool and then somehow pulling... Uh, victory from the jaws of defeat and well and that weird sort of narrative shift towards the end of that period with that win over City it was a very strange couple of weeks wasn't it
1: um it was strange if you look at it in what things generally look like but if you look at Van Gaal's United it, that is more or less what it looks like some despondency then a couple of good results and maybe it's going to change and maybe there'll be some kind of lasting change and then it's back to being bollocks again and uh I think that it's been going on like this for long enough now so that we know that that's how it's going to be. And every time this happens, you think, well, that's what's going to happen now. And it would be better if that wasn't going to be the case and they went on a streak and they won every game and they qualified for the Champions League, They qualified for the Champions League, the Cup Final, fired Van Gaal before the Cup Final, then came Mourinho or whoever, they won the Cup Final. That would, that would be nice. That would make me laugh anyway. That would be a wonderful narrative, wouldn't it? Uh, I mean, if Mourinho is the next guy, uh, and if they've already decided, then were they to get to the cup final, they would. Yeah, it would be silly not to not to bring him in to do that particular job. Yeah, I, I would. I would find it tricky not to laugh at that. Although I don't feel massive personal antipathy towards Van Gaal. It's just it gets to a point, I guess, in football that brings out emotions that we hide from ourselves in real life or are frowned upon in real life. Where you kind of find yourself thinking, well, eventually, if you do enough things that I find ridiculous. I'm going to start feeling this personal antipathy, even though you seem like quite a sound bloke, actually. Yeah, yeah, he's a
0: very entertaining guy, but the 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 last sort of oh gosh, almost two seasons now, two full seasons. There's been a lot of crazy and very bad moments, and well, I mean, looking at the substitutions, looking at the results, looking at crazy post match interviews. Yeah, there's been those sort of moments of charm, you know, the the fall
1: at home to Arsenal, the the uh, end of season awards last year, but. Well, that's exactly the kind of thing that you want to see more of. When Van Gaal got the job, one of the things that excited me was that there would be reliable, regular aggravation that we had under Fergie and didn't have under Moyes. And for some reason, Van Gaal got the job and shrunk in more or less every aspect, where he's been this guy just sitting on the bench, not the bloke that's charging off the bench like a nutter to high-five Robin Van Persie when he scored against Spain. That was the guy who's cutting off the press before he's even got the job. That was the Van Gaal that I thought we were going to get and the Van Gaal that has always existed. But there's been very little of that at United and actually that's the way that his team have played more or less without that kind of vigour and that needle and aggression that you would expect at the very least in every United team and every United manager.
0: I mean, that, that leads in nicely to my first question proper. It might not be the easiest one to answer, but sum up your feelings on the whole Van Gaal era for me.
1: Uh, It's been a big disappointment. There's no, There's no two ways about that. It's been the football's been shite, more or less uniformly. It's been salvaged slightly by wins against City and Liverpool, and some and some really memorable wins as well. Um, but this season, that has been more or less it. There was, I mean, the games that you'll remember after this season's gone were the Liverpool probably the both the, both of the league games against Liverpool, City away, Arsenal at home, Watford away, and you're struggling after that. Maybe I've missed a couple, but it probably isn't any more than a couple. And that was the same last season. There was the Liverpool games, there was the Arsenal game away, uh, the Spurs game at home, the home derby, and then after that you're struggling. That just isn't enough, and there's no, there's no excuse. There's there's no excuse for that. However, if you say injuries and you, the players also obviously have to take plenty of the blame, but I think what Van Gaal doesn't realise is that there's no need to be sparing. There's plenty of it to go around, and a lot of it is his.
0: No, absolutely. No, I agree with that completely. I think one of the things that's really wound me up this season is that you've ended up with these sort of situations where Van Hal's actually tried to shirk as much blame as possible and when good things have happened he's wanted to lap up all that praise, but when criticisms come
1: his way, he's done a very good job of deflecting it really, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean it's hard to sometimes say, well, this is definitely the case because you don't know the alternative. It's very easy to say, for example, Fergie would be ten points clear with this with this exact same squad. But I think, I mean, most, most people feel that he would be. There's no way of measuring that. There's no way of measuring what would have happened if the players hadn't got injured. Although, one various of the periods of cohesion during Van Gaal's time in charge have come when some of the players that he likes have been injured. And that was certainly the case last season when things suddenly improved. When Van Persie got injured, for example. And this season, then Fellaini got injured. And amazingly, United started playing through midfield. I mean, yeah, who, weird, could possibly, it? Yeah, who could possibly have guessed that shit? And... It's the things like that that are nauseating, I guess, because they're the obvious things that clowns like us can see are just so obviously wrong. Whereas the actual coaching of the defenders to defend properly and things like that are obviously far more nuanced and it's very hard for us to sit in the stands or in our armchairs and say, well, he should have done it like this and he should have done it like that because although football is a simple game, people are complicated and getting them to do the things you want at the time that you want them to do it. In, and synchronise that with the things that other people are doing is really hard and only a genius like Fergie can do that kind of thing regularly and the reason he's such a genius is because there are other people around that are like him. Van Gaal seemed like a reasonable appointment to me at the time. He just had an amazing World Cup where possibly not in the history of the competition has one team's progress and surprise progress been so obviously due to their manager as it was at the time. It's just for whatever reason it hasn't worked and the idea that they're going to appoint Mourinho, having not appointed him in December when they could have done, when the title was still in reach, is is a bizarre one in the extreme. Some uh, some quiet words need to be had there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what,
0: what do you put that down to, though? I mean, it, it's obviously very difficult to say uniformly. I mean, this is absolutely a reason why, you know, the board didn't act at the time, but what did you have an inkling as to why they weren't going for Mourinho
1: in, back in December when things were at their lowest ebb? I mean, I don't have an inkling in that the only people that know haven't told me, but you can speculate that it looked very bad for Ed Woodward if he'd have had to have fired him in December. But all that really happened was by not firing him, the more the more he waited not to fire him to avoid looking a knob, the more of a knob he looked, which is uh, an unfortunate paradox for somebody to be in or an unfortunate paradox for somebody who's not Ed Woodward to be in because obviously him being in that is good for everyone in a way. But then that's our paradox. We want Ed Woodward to look like a knob because he is. But at the same time, the more of a knob he looks, the more aggravating it is for us that nothing is done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's generally been lose-lose, but there have at least been some moments that have been better. And there are some things to hope for in that we've seen some some good young players emerge who look like they're going to be good enough to play for United. And oddly, actually, for all the, well, City's youth system is so much better than United and they're paying to send the kids and the siblings to the independent schools and this, that and the other. There are four or five players who actually look like they might be good enough to play for United in the next two to three years, which is uh, which is an amazing success, really. And I mean, it seems like you would give more credit to Warren Joyce than Van Gaal for that. But either way, it's a huge positive to come from the season.
0: Was was there a turning point for you in the season where you essentially just wrote Van Gaal and United in general this season
1: off? Uh, I never quite wrote wrote them off. But yeah, there was a tipping point for me was... When those uh those that triptych of um, nil nil draws in a row the the game against city where they had the opportunity to go for it because city were depleted they didn't they were happy with a nil nil united should have been playing okay could have gone after them, and they didn't then later that week, there was that horrendous nil nil after extra time against middlesbrough <laughs> where they lost on penalties, which of the three in a way is the one I would be happiest to excuse, but the one that really it for me was the game against Palace, where they looked like they had no idea what one had to do in order to get the ball into the goal. They just totally forgotten how to play football, and it was those three games in quick succession where I wasn't saying, oh they should definitely sack him." I was, but I was saying, "I'm absolutely certain this isn't going to work now."
0: Yeah, so there was, they didn't see any way of of you, Van Hall turning this around suddenly, and
1: well, no, it was it was very hard to see because they're in that cycle of playing well and playing badly, and. He still has no idea what his best team is now. And it took him unconscionably long last season to work out what it was. And, and then it only happened because he got lucky with the right players getting injured at the right time. So, yeah, it was it, at that point. I mean, against Palace, Herrera miss, missed an easy chance. And um, he knew he was going to drop him the next game. It was just that kind of attitude makes you wonder, well, actually, because if he'd have scored the winning goal, then clearly he's not getting dropped. Yeah. And if what exactly are you basing your decisions on? And fine, like drop him if he's playing rubbish. But Herrera, I mean, I've just kind of written about this before that he is sort of the poster boy martyr for all the ills of the Van Gaal era. And uh, I don't feel quite like that about him. I just he's very likable. I wish he was a bit better. <laughs> In he is. He is a good player. He's got some. He passes the ball forward. He scores and makes goals. I like that. But when we look at what the standard of a United midfielder is meant to be, he's not really that close to what it is at the moment. Although it would have been nice to have seen him got the opportunity to prove it definitively one way or the other. Yeah,
0: I think there's still a bit of a question mark over him and his uh, sort of long-term uh, application at United and whether or not it'll be used. Do, do you see him as a, a long-term part of the of the puzzle at Old Trafford?
1: I think that if Mourinho comes in, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him get a proper go. Which isn't that I don't think we could sign a better player than him because there are better players than him out there that we could pro- are probably available. But Mourinho likes Fabregas. And he is not dissimilar to Fabregas, though obviously not not as good. He is a bit more mobile and will get stuck in a bit more. But there are similarities in the way they try and play the game, I think, and in the way they see the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Mourinho quite liked him. And I would like someone. I would like him to have a go at playing in a team that suits him with good players around him. But. Given the choice, really, I guess I'd prefer a better player.
0: I mean, speaking of those uh, three nil 0s that you mentioned, where there wasn't really any sort of plan, let alone a style, what did you make of the complaints that were, you know, a really frequent part of that first half of the season, where we were, you know, scraping the odd one nil, getting through games with you know 80 percent possession and creating one or two chances?
1: It's just, it's just you don't. It's not pleasant for anyone to watch that kind of activity. And the thing that's so startling about it is that it would it was hard to fathom if you hadn't seen it with your eyes, it would be hard to fathom getting that squad of players to play that badly. They were literally playing at their bottommost level, which in some ways is quite admirable. I mean we've all been in jobs where we've thought, yeah, I'm pretty proud of how little I've done here well played me, but the jobs that we've done are not playing for United, which is supposed to be enjoyable and although I mean I understand to some extent like. There's this kind of idea that fans have that, well, if it was me, the least that would happen would be I'd run myself into the ground for 90 minutes. It's bollocks. Like, people skive in everything. Human Endeavour teaches us many things, and one of the things it teaches us is there's nothing that people won't cheat at, and there's nothing they won't skive. I mean, you watch a you watch a fight between two guys, and if you haven't trained properly for that fight, the punishment could well be you get an absolute hiding. You see regularly fighters get in the cage or get in the ring, and they gas. And they get they get battered. People are lazy. I get that. But the uniform awfulness week after week is something that, and last season as well, not just this season, is quite difficult to comprehend how it's possible to put all those guys on the field because there are some good players in the squad. And to put all those guys on the field, and they're actually that bad. And that's not just Van Gaal's fault. That's their fault as well because they haven't been running hard enough, I don't think. And they haven't been chucking themselves into it in the way that is appropriate.
0: Now again, that's an interesting sort of paradox, though, isn't it? Based on what you were saying there, you've got this sort of struggle to motivate yourself to play at your, you know, your absolute peak under a manager who clearly isn't going to get, the, you know, the best out of you. But at the same time, we're not seeing that. I guess that base level of effort that we expect when you pull on your nightshirt. shirt—you know—not everyone's going to be able to pull out, you know, a Tevez-style performance and be wonderful and fantastic and run their heart out for ninety minutes. But the level of effort this season has been pretty startlingly terrible for the most part, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I, th- I think it has, and I mean, I think they're trying, but w- what's missing is that—is the devil basically the that that bit of edge, which isn't—it's partly about how hard you run, and it's also just partly about being a bit more psychotic which is a different kind of effort and if you look at this team let's assume we were, let's assume that we were quite hard which i don't know if you are i'm not if i was if i if i was there would be no one more or less who i'd really care about getting into a rut with and uh even then i think i could probably have matter i don't really want to be able to say that about anyone who plays for united not to pick on uh poor little juan and uh his uh, and his and his lovely blog and his cute oh, curls and blog. all these oh bless yeah and and, and all these things. Um, but um, he, I guess, in some ways, he is a indicative of United under Van Gaal, and yet, in a team that was more United-like, he would be a lot better.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's um, something that Rich on the podcast has mentioned several times: is that we lack bastards really. there's not much of a a spine or a backbone against United. You know, there's not really that presence. I mean. That is one thing you can say, I guess, for Rooney, since he's taken over the armband in the sense that he will go up to the referee. He's got a bit of a spark, you know, at least when he's harassing the referee and getting in his face and moaning about decisions. That's one aspect of his game that hasn't been dimmed over the last few years, when almost every aspect of his game has
1: dwindled to a certain extent. Yeah, Rooney does have a bit of that. But at the same time, the team has played some of its best football, at least, without him. But he's another player who I don't exactly think, I'm not sure Van Gaal has used properly either. I mean, he sort of likes his centre-forward. I think what he tried to do in the first place at United was similar to a bit what, what he did at Munich, where he had a a bloke up front who was, yeah, a, a kind of a lummox, I guess, Olic. And he sort of pinned the two centre-backs for two fast wingers that he had, Ribéry and Robin. And he tried that a bit with Rooney. When United were good at the end of last season, that was part, a, a little bit what he was doing. And uh, that's not really what Rooney is these days. Rooney is a finisher. A reliable finisher most of the time who can sometimes do some other things that are good. The problem, often, it's not just a problem, it just doesn't harm Rooney, it harms all the players, is that there's no one in the box and there's no one putting balls into the box either. And that makes it fairly hard to score goals. They do, United, they do this little warm up before they play where the ball goes wide and they try and work it wide and have some men in the box. And even when there are no defenders, they're still crap at it. Well,
0: we're not very good at crossing
1: either, really, are we? No, they're still like. They do it every every day every game. They they, they do this this routine. And I remember the first time they're doing it under Van Gaal. I thought, wow, that looks quite a nice little thing to practice before a game. But they're not the crap at it, and they are actually crap at it also. Accordingly, when you put some defenders into the mix, and so teams obviously realise that you sit back against United, they're going to have a problem. He likes Van Gaal thinks that it should just be you switching the wings and and things. But there are other ways. There's running with the ball. There's very quick short passes the kind of goal that England scored the other night, actually. And um, there are long shots. And he doesn't seem to like a lot of those things. And they don't seem to practice doing them. And if they do, they're not very good at translating that into the game. But they have got a bit better recently because they've picked players that can run fast. And even if they can't always place that does make a difference. And players who actually have good movement, someone like Lingard, for example, who is so far off the standard of a United winger that is absurd. And I don't mean that to have a go at him. He seems like a nice kid. He works hard. He's got really good movement, actually. The problem is that his technical ability isn't of the same level. And But just putting him in the team, because he's got that willingness to run behind, that dynamism and that intelligence has made, has made a big difference because those are things that other players won't necessarily try and do. Players who have got more technical ability than he has. Yeah. Saying someone isn't United standard is not its not even particularly an insult. It's just over the last 20 years, we've come to expect that players will be able to do certain things. So if you look at what a United winger is, then you're thinking Lee Sharp, Kanchelskis, Giggs. That's the standard. And when you see someone who is a long, long way below that standard, who might still be a good player. as so I think Lingard is quite a good player. You're wondering, is he ever going to develop to get anywhere near that standard? And you do have to remember what that standard is. Because otherwise you end up accepting loads of players who are second best. And you can have Lingard in the squad and have a squad that wins the league. There have been players in our squads that have won leagues that aren't as good players as Lingard might be. But you can't be relying on too many of those players. And that's the problem that whatever manager comes in, he's going to have. In that the best player, the only really serious player in, the, in international football... Who plays for United at the moment is the goalkeeper, and he might go. Who knows what's going to happen with him anyway. But even if he doesn't go, he's still a goalkeeper. So you could say that the squad any team, we need four or five players, but they need to be the best four or five players in the team, more or less, that that come in. And getting players of that quality is difficult. It's the same with you look at someone like Herrera and Schneiderlin, they're good players. I mean, we've seen Schneiderlin be excellent in this league for Southampton. And we've got no idea, really, if he's actually any good for United properly because Van Gaal's messed him about. But the standard isn't Schneiderlin, it's Ince, Robson and Keane. That's what you want. And there may not be players who are quite the same kind of player as them in the game anymore, but you want players who are as good as them with that kind of drive and that kind of ability. Finding them is is not easy, but Schneiderlin and Herrera are not it. And you can have someone who's also not it, like Carrick in the team, if you've got other players of high quality, so if you've got Van Persie and if you've got Ronaldo, then you can have someone like Carrick. But we, at the moment, we, just, we don't have players of that standard. We don't have players that are anywhere near that standard. And when you have too many players who are 6 to 7 out of 10, then you're, that's, that's the level that the team's going to be at, unless you've got a manager like Fergie who's going to be able to give it that extra lift that's going to get it a bit further.
0: No, that's fair enough. I mean, are there any players at the minute who, if given the decisions, you would jettison straight away when it comes to the summer?
1: I think. I mean, yes. I mean, I think that. But because you, you, I want to make room in the squad as much as anything, I'd get rid of Phil Jones now. Oh yes, absolutely. And I think Phil Jones could have been could be a good player still, although I worry that he is as dense as he looks. <laughs> and if he is, then it's going to be tricky. Well, that but, um, that
0: the social media posts for the. Uh, for the Munich tribute suggests that either a social media team is completely well
1: I, I would guess it's that and I get and I think that also my own paranoia let's call it paranoia or ego whatever you want to call it would make me wary of judging too many people based on what they do on social media because uh, yeah I'd worry about what was in my own kitchen <laughs> <laughs> I mean I think we all would yeah good point there's there's that. But it's more just the way the way that he plays, and he can't be relied upon to stay fit, and that combination of factors, plus the, the like the young defenders coming through who I'd like to see, mean that I would get rid of him. Who else would I get rid of? Um, I mean, there aren't that many who I, was, I get rid, who I would say I've had enough. He's got to go. There are a few who I would say last chance, but there are very few who I give a shit if they went. <laughs> I mean, there. Uh, Left rather than died, obviously. But um, <laughs> I'd get rid of Valencia on principle. See, I was um, wondering if that was going to come up. I Yeah, I mean, well, he's back, he's back to what I was saying before. Of he's not the standard. And however many nice moments he's given you and however many times you've said, well, played Valencia, not that often in the last three years, four years. He seems like he's not a terrible human being. Despite all of that, he is nowhere near the standard of what a United winger should be. He isn't. Carrick and Schweinsteiger both quite likeable, both useful. I'm not sure there's r- room in the squad for both of them, um, apart from the fact that probably quite rare that both of them be fit at the same time. So
0: that is true. There's yeah. that.
1: But the only players who I would say must keep, um, Shaw, De Gea, Martial, uh, that might be it, actually. Players who I would think, what on earth are you doing if we sold them? Which is actually about what I thought about the players Van Gaal did sell last summer. And we'll move on to, to the fans now. I mean,
0: I've got to admit, I mean, the away fans in particular, as they always are, they've been excellent this season. And <clears throat> to be fair, I think Old Trafford, for the most part, hasn't tended to turn too much. I mean, there's been a couple of games where the, the atmosphere has gone particularly sour. I mean, how have you sort of made of uh, the match-going fans, You know how, how they've coped with the situation, are coping with the
1: current state of things at the club? Um, I'd say that there's not a lot of smacked arcery that you see. Like lots of people I mean partly this is just the increasing average age of people that can afford to go to football, but there are lots of people that go that remember United when they were shit. And not just when they were shit, but when they hadn't won the league for twenty plus years. So a few years of this is annoying, but it's not the end of, it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world because it's just football, and it's not the end of your footballing world because happen sometimes and I guess it was probably I mean I was going to say it was always likely to happen after Ferguson left but I don't know if that's uh philosophically tautologous because it's just happened so obviously it was inevitable because it's happened or maybe it wasn't inevitable if they just made better managerial appointments who knows but one thing that I would say is that good football is quite antisocial if think something might happen on the pitch I think people are less sometimes less inclined to make a racket off the pitch whereas because you know United are going to be crap, and they are crapping more or less every game, you can properly get stuck into getting behind them because you don't have to pay too much attention to what's actually going on because there isn't going to be anything. And I would say, as a general observation, since Fergie left, the atmosphere away from home has got better. And my mates who go to home games have also said that the atmosphere has got better at home as well. So, uh Maybe yeah. That's that. We have uh, Woodward and the Glazers to thank to thank for that. So uh, well done, chaps.
0: So us being rubbish has actually made us talk to each other a bit more then.
1: Um It's not just the talking. <laughs> it's just the balminess that you want at a game of football, because no one's kind of on the edge of their seat thinking, "Gosh, this game's really important," because <laughs> the games tend not to be that important. The atmosphere at Anfield this season, when Rooney scored the winner of that game, for example, was I've been, yeah, I've been to. A fair few games at Anfield and that was easily the best I think that I can remember there's just been a good racket at games where because you're not so much concentrating on the football Liverpool in a way is a bad example because that's a game where there'll always be that level of nerves because it's always actually an important game whatever's going on there you're just you're not as focused on what's happening on the pitch so you're more likely I think to you can put your energies and your focus into making a racket because yeah there's there's no distractions
0: that's fair enough. I mean, speaking of Ferguson as well. I, yeah, mean, how do you look at how Ferguson left United in terms of, you know, the squad that he left United with in uh, let's think 2013 now, wasn't it? Do you think that sort of squad getting to that 20th title was his last stroke of genius or do you think he actually left a lot of problems for Moyes and Van
1: Hull in the way that, the sort of the state that in the condition that he left that team in? Uh, he did leave some problems But I don't think that it was altogether his fault. For example, he wanted Rooney out of there. Now, whatever you think about Rooney, personally, I think Rooney's still a good player. I don't think he's a good enough player to be the number one striker in a team that wants to win the league. He did everything but shove him out the door. Had Fergie stayed and shoved him out the door, someone of a proper level would have come in. You think, you hope, who knows. But if that had happened, then that would have immediately been a huge lift rather than all Moyes did that was was signed Fellaini. And also, that scored the champions by a long way. So, even though Fergie, well, not, Ferdinand seemed to go to shit literally over the summer, uh, and that did make a difference when Moyes turned up, Fergie was, wasn't to know that either, but he might have trusted him more to do something about it. And one of the things that's frustrating about what's going on at United now is that if... But the the money that has been given to Moyes and Van Gaal, if that money had been given to Fergie, then the squad wouldn't have been in the nick that it was in when Moyes took over. That is obviously partly Fergie's fault for his role in the takeover and his role in supporting it thereafter. But it's not quite as straightforward as this squad that he's left is bollocks because it might have been, it wasn't as good as you'd want it to be, but it had still pissed the league. It did still know what it was doing. It was full of confident players who knew what you had to do to win and somehow Moyes decimated that very quickly I guess that I kind of always look at it as it's this old amazing contraption that only the mad inventor knows how to make work and as soon as Fergie went obviously that went with him but it wasn't the squad wasn't it didn't have a lot of players of the standard that you would want but that's also partly because Fergie didn't have the money to buy those kind of players, and that money has been given to people subsequently, and they've bought players like if what, if Fergie had had Di Maria, for example, If he'd had the money to buy Di Maria. He, he would, you think he would have made Di Maria work. Van Gaal couldn't do that. that.
0: That's kind of the the up and down part of that that last squad that Ferguson crafted. You know, all right, it had young, it had Valencia in it, but also Van Persie, De Gea. You know, there were, there were several players in there who were of world class standard who could have. Yeah, made up for deficiencies in a lot of other areas, but it it was pretty badly mismanaged in the subsequent years following. Really, and we're still seeing that now, I guess, aren't we?
1: Yeah, I mean, like Van Persie, in a way, that was unfortunate in that he got injured in after that that he had that amazing run. Then he got injured in January, and he was never quite the same after that. I don't know if it was the injury, but he was he wasn't he just wasn't as good after that. Um, He is, I guess, in some ways, the most expensive carriage clock of all time like Fergie was leaving, here is someone who will help you win that last league. His, his Absolutely presence. worth it though, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. I mean, and you almost forget quite how good he was, or at least I do. I remember being at Anfield last season and before the game on the concourse, they showed Van Persie's goals for United. And of the first that first section of the season, when he basically won United the league, the standard of the finishing was off the scale. I mean, it was up there with Van Usteroy, which is more or less the highest praise that I can give. And the fact that he just he went after he got injured, no one could no one could particularly have predicted that. Although you knew that you weren't getting that long out of him, he also hadn't played that many games because he spent so much of his career injured. But I think that I would have trusted Fergie to have replaced Rooney properly. And if you replace Rooney, and fuck knows who he would have bought, but if you go out and get a striker of that Van Persie level that he was at, then United would have been a lot better immediately the following season. That brings up a good point about Rooney as well. What do United do with him now? Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I don't think many people... It would be very hard to argue that he is good enough now to be the main striker in a team that wants to win the league. However, he's still a good player. He's still a player who knows how to win. He's still someone that seems to have the respect of the, the other guys that he plays with, and that is important. But you don't want him in the way of of someone like Rashford and you don't want—is he going to be happy? Is he's not really old enough to sit on the bench?
0: No, it's, it's it's this discussion that's happening with England at the minute, isn't it? Where people are looking at the way England have played over these last sort of couple of friendlies and thinking, well, does Rooney fit into this? We've been looking at this for the last sort of gosh, month or so since he got injured against Sunderland, and actually watching our attack perform a little better, I'd say. You know, it's been really looking more varied, it's looking you know faster, a bit bit more youthful. It's that same discussion where you look at Rooney coming back in, and it kind of doesn't. The question isn't so much, you know, should you know, are we actually going to be able to fit him in? It's should we fit him in?
1: I think yeah, I find the England question a bit odd in the context of people saying should he be in the squad, and that I think what what the fuck are you talking about? Of course he should be in the squad because partly for the reasons I said that he is the captain of that squad, the leader, the other players look up to him like he is probably someone that is good to actually have hanging about. I might be wrong because he might have other bad habits that are bad influence. Who knows? But in the end, if I look at any player in that squad, who do I want the chance falling to in the last minute? It would be him. Uh he's a reliable finisher. Uh, he's not quite the devastating finisher that he has been, but he's, he is, he is a good finisher and he's someone that can handle, he can handle a big occasion. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't, I think, and I also think there's a more, when you look at how you comprise a squad, I just think you want, well, part similar to what I was saying about Van Gaal, you want as many strikers as possible. When Italy won the World Cup in 2006, they didn't have any, really any proper strikers. So they took, I think they took six, five, six strikers they took and used them all and won the World Cup because different kinds of players are useful for different kinds of situations. And when you need a goal, you bring them on. so. I don't think, I think it's hard to justify a circumstance in which Rooney should be your first, the first choice if everyone else is fit. But I certainly think he should be in the squad, but that's much easier to do because you go to a tournament is either you go or you don't go. You either go, if you go, you go and you sit on the bench or you stay at home, you're obviously going to choose to go sit on the bench and take your chances when you get them. But that's not the same as being on the bench most weeks for United, which is ideally what would happen because I'd like us to go and sign Someone very good indeed who isn't Rooney, yeah, and then the way that you like the teams are likely to play there's only going to be one proper center forward then if Rooney wants to stay, be a sub or play sometimes, and if he he's prepared not to be a dick about it, then I'd for sure want him to stay
0: for sure, I mean if he's not going to be the main man, I think that'd be interesting uh, there's you know this talk that you know again that's kind of difficult to know how to give. Too much credence to it, but there's been a lot of talk about Ibrahimovic, and that would be a very, very interesting move for sure. I mean, I'd be, I'd love to have him at United, just for the comedy aspect, but for the fact that he's still incredibly consistent and he stays fit. But if you bring Ibrahimovic into the fold, you then start thinking about how that would work with Rooney, and then you start thinking about Martial and Rashford. I don't know if there's a situation where all four of those would work, those those four strikers would work together. Everyone gets the games they want. And everyone they, ends up. They need having. to
1: have an A race and a B race in training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> those two lummoxes huffing and puffing. Uh. But yeah, it's hard to. I mean, to know what to give credence to. I mean, I find Ibrahimovic's shtick like quite tedious. But uh, but he's a, but he's a great player. I mean, he's a very, or at least he's a very he's a very good player. Even though it's hard to know quite how much credence you give his goals in the French league, he would be. I mean, he would be. Fun to watch for sure. You'd need some pace outside him, though. I mean, that's one thing we've got, though. To be fair, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have that, and uh, he is someone who has scored goals wherever he has gone and scored some good goals and shown some. As I said, I, I don't, I don't take to his shtick, but at least he has some. I suppose like, he has some attitude, and it is about time that we had some attitude on the pitch. I don't think, I don't think he would be my first choice necessarily. I don't think he probably is the first choice, but he would certainly be. A choice, and uh, yeah, you'd be. I guess, yeah, I'd be pleased to see him in the end.
0: Yeah, of interest, he would be a first choice when we get to the summer up front.
1: This is difficult because I don't feel like I get to watch the amount of football that would enable me to seriously pass judgment on the the players that I've seen who might be available. Um Miang looks looks a serious player. If if Real Madrid want him, presumably that's where he's going to go and presumably he yeah, may well end up going there because Benzema may well end up leaving and Aubameyang seems to extort less money, which is uh, a handy quality in someone you want to employ. So there aren't that many good strikers in world football. I mean, Lewandowski is excellent, but there's absolutely no chance he would leave by Munich and turn up at United, unfortunately. Uh, and then beyond that, there aren't that many players. I mean, there's Harry Kane, who I think I wouldn't be surprised if he wouldn't mind coming to United. I'd be more surprised if he was prepared to force a move this summer. I mean, he, he would be very useful in that he can play in, he can play up front on his own, which is what someone's going to need to do. He reminds me a little bit, Harry Kane, of Shearer without quite the searing pace, the original version of Shearer, yeah. without, without quite the pace that Shearer had. And uh, that is a good place. To, yeah, that's a good place to start. But like, it may well be that, that Ibrahimovic is the only person who's available. Um, or the best man who's available, in which case it could be him, who knows. But um, Martial, I don't think he's ready to play centre-forward. I think Rashford actually looks a better centre-forward than Martial at the moment. But what's nice about Rashford is that I feel like enough has been seen so that we know he's going to at least be good enough to be a squad player for United now. Whether he goes on to be good enough to be as good as you need to be to be United's number one striker, it's impossible to say, but it seems like he's going to be good enough to be one of the four that you would want to have.
0: No, I'd agree with that. I think with Rashford, there was always that uh, that question that needed answering very, very quickly in our minds after that Midgetland game, where uh, you know he got those, he got that brace, and we were just thinking immediately, well, can he do it on the big stage? And immediately, you know, three days later, there he is scoring another brace at home to Arsenal, and you know, a couple of weeks later, there he is scoring in the derby and at the Etihad. So yeah, there's very clearly quality there with Rashford and it's been really good to see that that has stayed consistent throughout his run in the, in his, in the side.
1: Well, you've seen the variety that he's got, which is really, I mean, seen he can finish, but he's also can go wide, the movement's good. Just all the things that you would look for are there and if you want someone who's going to play up front, it doesn't necessarily matter. If they're playing up front on their own, it doesn't... They, need to, they either need to be an all-rounder, or they just need to be really, really, really good. They need to, be a, you need to be a brilliant player to be able to be a one-man forward line. And he actually looks like he might have those abilities, in that he seems to be able to do most of the things to a reasonable standard, and the potential to go on and be a brilliant player, which is, you would want at least one of those two things.
0: Yeah, right here we are, uh, we'll be to back into action at the weekend and we'll be at home to Everton and then shortly after that we've got another four games in ten days. So realistically United have a run at the FA Cup with that uh, quarterfinal replay at Upton Park and I mean top four still on really at the minute isn't it Daniel? I mean how do you see United's end of season panning out so to speak?
1: Uh, I, I, I think we might beat West Ham and we might be able to win the Cup I don't think we'll make the top four because I think well, but you can't rely on any of the teams that we're competing with either. Um, I just so if I just look at United and I think well, what do United do? Like what what have I learned about watching this team the last couple of the years? You think well, there's absolutely no way they're going to be able to string together enough results to come in the, to come forth. But then you look at the teams that are around them and you think well, I don't think they can do that either. It's not so much
0: a question of who's going to be the best, who's going to be least bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, you could definitely look at it like that. I think that if Aguero is fit, then that will probably be enough for City to finish fourth just having a reliable goal scorer. But at the same time they have an extremely unreliable defense. Less even less so than United do actually. It's really hard it's really hard to know that. Um the 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 cup would be nice to win. I mean, as far as the European cup goes, I'd much rather win the cup than get into the top 4 except for that nagging well, will it stop us being able to sign players? But then you think back to when City weren't in it and they signed players because they paid enough money. But then you think perhaps they got lucky at a time when there wasn't as much money around in world football. So they could sign players. So, And they could sign Yaya Toure from Barcelona. They could sign Aguero. They could sign David Silva, who were basically the three serious players that they've had in that period because the circumstances were right to sign them, as in they existed. Wanted they needed to move and there wasn't anyone else available with the money to buy them. And actually that probably isn't the case anymore. So perhaps the top four is the thing that would swing it. But in a way, like I don't particularly care if United are in the European Cup or not until they've got a chance to do something in it properly. And I think maybe that could be next season, but unlikely to be. But then you think, well, in that case, and this is just a circular argument of appallingness, well, if they end up in the Europa League, well. That will mean not some midweek United, which is good, but it will mean those Thursday Sunday, that Thursday Sunday routine, which isn't conducive to winning the league and United should be at least in a position to compete for that next season. But then you don't want no Europe because then there's hardly any games and that just impacts on your enjoyment of life. You don't get to see United as much. You don't get to enjoy all the aspects that come with watching United as much. And yeah, that was, and I'd didn't like it during that season. The more, is at all, I guess everyone had a few more quid in their pocket. So there's that, but uh, it's hard to know quite what to quite what to wish for. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm just I'm hoping that we win the cup, and then whatever else happens, happens.
0: No, absolutely. I think it's really difficult to make the call on what we're going to do in terms of top four. I, I even though City have been absolutely terrible for large swathes of this season, you know, by their own standards. I still would bat them to get into that top four slot. And to a certain extent, considering how much more consistent West Ham are, I'd almost back them to go above us, to be honest, just because we are that inconsistent. So, you know, despite being that one point behind, despite having that good performance at the Derby, you know, the previous weekend, still really, really difficult to back us, isn't it?
1: Well, that's the thing with the good performance at the Derby. And I felt the same about the good performance against Arsenal. There were lots of individual aspects to be pleased about and excited about in those games. but. Calling them good performances is a bit strong, I think. that They were good results, for sure, but they were both against teams that didn't turn up. And the reason they didn't turn up wasn't really due to anything United did. It was just indicative of their own weaknesses. They weren't games that United dominated. They were games that United did good things in. And the reason why they were, I, I enjoyed them anyway, or I enjoyed thinking about them afterwards, was the indiv- like the performances that made you think actually... There's some real potential here. It wasn't like United put them on the rack and wiped the floor with them. And it's that that knows with some of the better performances recently, which makes me think that they're not going to get enough points to finish in the top four in the end because their top level is not very high, particularly. And where and where are the goals going to come from? Yeah. But, I mean, West Ham have West Ham have players in form, but then perhaps their players who are in form aren't actually that good and they'll be out of form quite soon. There's... Uh, it's hard to know. If I was betting, I would bet on City still. I think United will probably finish above West Ham. But then on the other hand, City maybe City have gone and they're not playing for they're not playing for Pellegrini. They're playing to not get injured for Europe. And then hopefully a demoralising defeat perhaps after maybe they'll get through another round. Maybe they won't. But if they get through another round, it'll be two difficult games. Then hopefully a demoralising defeat at that point. Gosh, City in the European Cup semi final. What a thought that is. Um but perhaps they'll just be thinking about Europe and then that'll happen. But I think that, I mean, and then another aspect that I totally forgot to throw into that discussion about what we want United to do was you don't really want City in the Champions League when Guardiola turns up because what if the worst happens? And that's not something we've had to contend with yet. We've had to contend with City winning the league and what that that means, but we've not yet had to contend with them winning the European Cup. And when we're, under the covers alone at night and it's dark, we realize that that is something that is probably going to enter into our lives at some point, but it would be better if it wasn't next season.
0: That would be great. <laughs> that would be absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, one thing that feels a little bit easier to call is uh, whether or not Van Hole will be in charge. I mean, do you honestly expect him to be in charge next season?
1: No. No, I don't think anyone does. Um, I would, yeah, I mean, I would, I'm guessing. I would expect that he knows that he isn't. I would expect, um, and anyone who I have spoken to with any opinion that is based on fact or something they've been told thinks that Van Gaal will be out at the end of the season and Mourinho will be in. Yeah, I do, yeah, I think I think it is the end for Van Gaal. Uh, I think that he wouldn't necessarily mind it being the end either. He like, and this goes back to something I said right at the beginning: is that he doesn't look like he's got the fight and the moxie to actually want to do this to the extent that it needs to be done. like You can't do it in a half-assed way. And I'm not saying that he's doing it half-assed in the way that he prepares or anything, but emotionally, he doesn't seem to be capable of throwing his whole being into doing this job in a way that we saw Fergie do, and in a way that you know that whatever else Mourinho would do, he would do that. He might make it too much about all the elements of himself that he chucks into it, and that's one of the things I think has been his downfall at Chelsea and Madrid, but you wouldn't be thinking you need to throw I'd like to see some edge here. I'd like to see someone totally absorbed by this
0: yeah, I mean I think that kind of leads us nicely on to someone who you can manage, you can imagine having quite a large edge for the job um i mean it's gotten to the point now where Brian Giggs just doesn't even feel like an option, so it genuinely feels like either Josie or bust at this stage. so with that in mind, let's sort of say this apathetically, even though it does feel. At this stage, like something of a certainty, how happy would you how happy would you feel for Jose to take over in the summer?
1: If we can just go back to what you said about it feels like Mourinho or nobody, it does feel that way, but it really shouldn't be that way. There are quite a lot of other exciting managers in world football. There's, I mean, Conte looks like he's going to Chelsea, but there's Simeone, there's Allegri, um, there's Tuchel, uh, there's Emery. There are other blokes around who. Pochettino, who have done good jobs where they are, some of them playing excellent football, bringing through young players, uh, who might who would be worth a look. But Mourinho, uh, I think that some of the things for which Mourinho gets criticised aren't necessarily the case. So they're not bringing through young players. He did that at Porto, he did it at Inter, he didn't do it at Chelsea and Madrid because, I mean, maybe he didn't do it because he didn't want to or wasn't asked to, but you also don't get time in those places to do it. So the assumption that he wouldn't do that at United, I don't think is right. He might not do it at United, but there's evidence for both sides. Likewise, there's the football that Mourinho's teams play. The football that Chelsea played over Christmas in his first season, when they had Robin and Duff fit, was excellent. The team that won the league the second season, I think, scored more goals and got more points than anyone ever scored before. So there's also that. The Madrid team he had played great football as well. That was, I guess, partly because it's impossible. Even Van Gaal and Moyes couldn't fail to play good football with the players that were there. But the thing that worries me about Mourinho, I guess, are two things. One is that it all becomes about him, and he kind of misdirects the aggravation that we enjoy to be his personal quest to right the injustices against him in the world, where it's just like like a teenager, basically, like dressed, dressed in black and listening to heavy metal whatever like i guess i i do think it's exactly that apologize <laughs> apologies to uh all those apologies uh, to me those... you know 15 years ago <laughs> all those all those goths who dazzled us with their with their zest um and their levity no but that kind of attitude is is not helpful and it gets to a point where it's not entertaining either fergie sometimes veered into that territory talking about my fans and making it too much about him but not often like he very rarely lost sight of the fact that once he aside from over the financial issues he very rarely lost sight of what he was meant to be doing what the point of it all was yeah I think
0: with Fergie it was often more about you know you'd you'd see a lot of stuff in press conferences and, and he'd obviously become quite barbed but when it came to an actual match and the game day he was very focused and he, he tended to leave everything out there you know he, he tended to to focus on that aspect of the game very well. And Mourinho, you, you kind of get the sense that he gets very easily distracted and will often make things about him to a certain extent.
1: Some of it's amazing. Like the idea that when he got suspended, from the, when he got kicked, wasn't allowed in the dressing room. The idea that he hid in a basket is wonderful. I mean, even the fact that, we don't know whether he did it or not, but the fact that we can believe that it's true is says a lot for him. I mean, I think it's amazing. I love that to be, I love it to be true, but I'm equally Attracted by the fact that even if it isn't true, it could be true. Um, I love that I, the the baiting of Wenger. I mean, more of that. That kind of that <laughs> Do kind you miss of it, aggravation. Don't you? You like you're missing it. Uh yeah, for sure. Like part of everything that I mean, I, I say we love about football. I'm not talking for the seven billion people in the world, but is the edge. The way that it allows certain kinds of behaviour that aren't permitted elsewhere. The idea that people that people say, well, Mourinho would never make a manager United because he's an egomaniac, he's always getting into arguments, he's unnecessarily cautious in big games. Uh you could be describing someone you could be describing someone else there. Well, sounds similar. Um the thing about Mourinho that worries me a bit is he is naturally cautious. Fergie became cautious much more when he started thinking about legacy, which happens to People, I'm literally in the middle of writing a piece about this. About, I mean, happens to humans when they have children because it's like that intersection of, uh, yeah, legacy and age, which translates into egomania. Well,
0: I'm sure you've had this as well. You know, we've both got young kids. It, it, it's walking on the pavement with them that, that worries me every single day.
1: Right. Yeah. Like you, you're suddenly aware of not only of what could go wrong, but of the catastrophic coincidence, the catastrophic consequences of what could go wrong. And Fergie got that a bit towards the end, but he wasn't naturally a conservative person. So sometimes it was the case and sometimes it wasn't the case. Mourinho is naturally, his natural inclination as a manager is conservative. But on the other hand, like Fergie, he understands history and football history. And he wants to manage United because he knows that managing United means something. And that is something I respect in him. It's something that makes me think, well, if he did come to United, he'd understand that there'd be certain things that it would be expected of him to fulfil. He wouldn't want to fail as manager of United by getting crap results. But I think he also wouldn't want to fail as manager of United by not playing in the right way. And that's not to say that the, the two legendary managers that the United have had, Busby and Fergie, didn't sometimes do that. I mean, the game when they went to Lisbon and George Best scored, scored those two goals and they were... Um, Busby told them to like, keep it tight for the first 20 minutes. I mean, it, it's not beyond either of those, the two figures that bestride United's history more than any other to, to play in that way and to be cautious. But Mourinho is naturally cautious, whereas those two were more naturally entertainers, gamblers, whatever. And I hope that Mourinho, if he gets the job, would understand the slightly different responsibilities as manager of United. And things that I see of him make me think that he does appreciate that. Like the... I know you interviewed Miguel, whatever it was, and the story that Miguel broke about um, the letter that Mourinho sent. I mean, people took the piss out of Mourinho for that, but actually for me, I thought, yeah, I like that because you're you're understanding why you might not get the job and that shows a level of self-awareness that over the last year or so, you sort of appear to have lost. And if you understand that it is incumbent upon you as manager of United to play good football, to bring through young players, if you get that, then the other things that he always has, like he knows how to set up a defense and he knows how to motivate players, even if he became too caught up in himself to do that properly towards the end at Chelsea and towards the end at Madrid. If you if you understand all those things, then you have the charisma and he has the track record, then that sounds like someone who can make a good a good United manager to me. So I don't find it easy to talk myself into wanting Mourinho. I don't find it that difficult to talk myself out of wanting him. I don't understand why it should be a fait accompli when there are other people about.
0: Now I I think it's it's kind of a narrative that's been built around it though, isn't it? You know, you look at City going for Guardiola and given that we are presuming that Van is gonna be leaving United this summer in a slightly better state than he left than than, than he took over when Moyes was, was managing and what he left Van Hal to deal with. This, there's not really been enough of progression to say that United are now, you know, a big player in Europe, you know, consistently challenging for the Premier League and a dead cert to be going for trophies every season. So, in, you know, you talk, you're talking earlier on about, you know, available managers like Tuchel, Pochettino, and Simeone. I mean, I'd, I'd absolutely love Simeone, but I don't feel like United can really take a chance with this next manager, which is kind of why for me Giggs is out of the question. You're looking now for someone to come into the job and you know try and take over from what Van Hals done and try and fix a couple of things here and there because there are problems to certainly resolve and you're looking for them to have as instant an impact as you can possibly get you know there's there's another season on the way I'm I'm expecting where we we're, we're looking at some transition but I think United now are almost certainly looking for a manager who can bring success and bring it quickly
1: yeah i mean look if you if you took the united squad right now before anyone's bought anyone in the summer and you asked a bookie to make odds, who would be the most likely to win the league next season? Out of all the people that we've spoken about who could manage United, you would, Mourinho would probably be the shortest price. And that was why I thought it was, I couldn't understand, well, I could understand, but why I was surprised that they didn't appoint him if they could have appointed him in the first place when, Ferguson, when Fergie left. If you've got a financial interest, you look at who is the person, like the Glazers do, you look at the person who is most likely to satisfy your financial demands, that would be Mourinho. And so I would totally understand appointing Mourinho from that perspective because, as you say, there's some transition and if we don't win the league next season, that's four seasons. That's starting to be quite a long time of not winning the league and potentially not even getting anywhere near winning the league. And that starts to become not a transition, but a decline. And appointing Giggs would be batshit, I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, And that's not even because I think he's tainted by Van Gaal because I doubt Giggs likes what's going on with Van Gaal very much. I think that Giggs wants to play the teams. He wants United to play the kind of football that his teams played in. I doubt very much that he rates very many of the players that are at United now. And if he had the opp- if he had the opportunity, he'd get rid of most of them. Like I was saying, I probably I wouldn't care if most of them left before. I wouldn't be at all surprised if Giggs thought the same thing. Um, I'm pretty sure he would like two fast wingers, two nutters in midfield, one stri- like one, one striker behind another striker. Rather like Cantonar and Hughes, that is probably what I think Giggs wants to play at United. But the ability to attract the players to do that, to the financial muscle, the, the even the prestige nowadays, which is a ridiculous thing to be saying, but do United hate the prestige to out to get players that other teams want is difficult. And to me, Giggs just doesn't appear to have the force of personality that you need to do this job. However, people that played in the dressing room with him say that Giggs ran that dressing room. But he seemed to me to run it with a withering put down and a snide remark, which is funny. When you, and especially because you're Ryan Giggs, who everyone looks up to anyway, you're able to do that. But that's not the way necessarily to get people to play football for you. You need to be able to do more than that. And he doesn't seem to me to have that all-consuming charisma that the best managers tend to have.
0: No, absolutely. Daniel, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time, Stephen. Much appreciated. No worries. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Right, guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with you after the Everton game. Thank you very much, and good night.